I'm Alan Watts, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 10th of September 2010. It's strange, because RBM is trying to phone me, and uh, my phone's not ringing. That's two nights in a row, so I've got to iron out why uh, from the States to, or that particular call to here doesn't get through. And so that's why we're a bit delayed tonight. So anyway, for newcomers, I suggest you look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, and you'll see hundreds of hours of talks I've put up there. Over the years, we're trying to give you shortcuts to the big picture. For those who are interested, most folk really aren't, except it's a kind of hobby, almost. And uh, while you're at it, too, if you want to buy the books and the discs that I have for sale, that will help me take over. I don't take money for advertisers. I don't bring them on as guests, as you'll notice. It's very lucrative if you do. And believe you me, my financial worries will certainly be over. But um, I, I prefer to just do it this way. If the audience wants me, then they can pay for me, hopefully. And I'll go on for a little bit longer. It's, uh, I'm almost I'm almost done one phase of what I wanted to do in the first place. So if the money dries up, I'll just go off and do other things. Now, these books, as I say, that, that uh, I sell are different than other books. They're not the usual history books with generals and wars and battles and who lost and who won and all that nonsense. They don't ever tell you in history books uh, who benefited financially, uh, who financed it, the bankers and so on, what deals were made. Um, and even the countries that lose have to pay their loans back to the same bankers. And sometimes those bankers live in their, their opponents' countries. It's, it's all a big racket. But anyway, I go into more the esoteric uh, type of rulership that you have because we've never had anything called democracy. There's been a great con, a great shield as well. It stops people from having uh, revolutions every few years. This way you always vote the last bunch of uh, crooks out, and you get get a new bunch in that you hope are going to be better than the last ones. That's what democracy truly is. It's a delaying tactic while they bring in a new system for humanity. And we've talked about that so many times on this show. So purchase the books. Remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can buy them. Uh, with a personal check. You can use an international postal money order from your post office. You can also use PayPal to donate or to purchase. If you want to purchase, just send a separate email after the PayPal donation with name, address, and order, and I'll get that out to you. Across the world, same idea with the addition of Western Union. If you're loaded with cash, because they're pretty hefty for their fee, you can send cash uh, for an order. You can... Use PayPal, as I say, for ordering or donating. It's up to you. MoneyGram is a bit cheaper, I think, than Western Union, so you can also try that and see how much that costs. But I try, as I say, to bring you the big picture. Uh, instead of just grabbing the oohs and ahs of the day and all the scary parts, see, you're meant to be scared today. For those who are awake, you're meant to get scared now. That's warfare techniques. Most folk are not really scared about anything. They think nothing's really changing, even as they're adapting 
into the new system on a daily and weekly basis. They're not scared because they're socialized and domesticated. Now, socialism really is perpetual childhood. You never grow up in socialism. Experts run everything for you. Uh, and you believe that experts are superior somehow. That's why they're up there running your whole life for you. And you truly believe that if you get in trouble or lose your job, uh, then there's all these agencies that are just tripping over themselves to go and help you. It isn't until you need them that you find out it's a different uh, scheme altogether. But the illusion lives on. And uh, socialism appeals to an awful lot of people, especially those who never really grown up. They don't want responsibility And if you have noticed, people are arrested mentally. They're mentally arrested about the age of maybe 18 and go through their lives right up to their 40s and 50s now before they might and they may not kick into the next gear of wisdom and maturity. Most don't today. At one time, I used to, when I was small, I used to seek out the, the older people who had oral traditions and history and listen to them. They were fascinating to listen to because they could tell you what had happened over the last 70, 80 years of, or more even sometimes of their lives. And you can't, you can't get that from books. You can't get people who've lived the history. You, you read the rubbish that's printed afterwards. There's nothing like the reality of those who remember it and went through it. But they had something to pass on to the youth, you see. And then they went through the whole revolution where they told youngsters don't talk to older people, they're, they're geriatrics basically. And that was a communist idea pushed big time across the world. Don't trust anybody over 30 was the slogan and the communists used to yell in the States as well. And that started to work. Then they gave the term teenager. It didn't exist before the 60s. It didn't exist. It was brought into the vocabulary to again make them see themselves as a different species almost than those who were older. And it certainly did work to an extent. Then they gave them a culture specifically designed for them. And believe you me, it was to bring in a youth culture, which still exists today, where people are terrified of passing the age of 25 or 30. Their first wrinkle or gray hair, and they're, they're off to see the plastic surgeon or to get their hair dyed. That's how bad it is today. Terrified, because no one likes those. It's actually it's a dislike of getting old and a fear of those who are older. But it's hard today to find people who have the wisdom to pass on because they also, the ones who are old now, came through all of that, all of these changes themselves, adapted to them and stayed perpetual children. It's astonishing that what they can talk about is, is their television programs and remember over the years, stuff like that, but nothing much else. You see, socialized and domesticated. Exactly what the planner has wanted. That's also an effect of television, of course, that kept everyone in their homes. Uh, whereas before, people used to visit each other very, very frequently. And I can remember when I was small, we didn't have, that there was a working class area, they did not have televisions. Very few folk had them. And people walked in and out of people's homes all the time and chatted about what was happening in their area and with the local councils, all the rest of it. You knew what was going on. And people got involved and didn't like something. They'd go to the council meetings and complain and say so and get things done. When TV came in, it was all, it was literally, it was like a, 
It was like the, the public had been drugged overnight. Suddenly no one's walking the streets in the evenings. Uh, the couples weren't in the park with their children in the weekends. They're all glued to the television set. And that's been the greatest psychological tool ever devised. That's why every government, and Britain was one of them, uh, had a policy that everyone had to get a television set. They made a policy for cheap televisions to be brought in, reconditioned from the States, and sold on higher purchase, as they called it, or take, as the people called it, and paid up every week. The guy would come round to houses and collect so much cash for it. That was the first time they were allowed to get higher purchase if you didn't own any actual property. Just to make sure. China has the same policy in right now. Everyone must get a TV. And I think India is after it too. An essential part of controlling and governing people, as they say. Because that's where your ideas come from. Your topics of conversation come from. Your mind is bent. Where you might have opinions Uh, pretty staunch opinions from your own observations, you start to doubt them after watching dramas and dramatizations of fictional um, uh, depictions of uh, certain people or whatever, and you'll change and feel sorry for them through fiction, through fiction, not reality, but through fiction. So you become politically correct. You also get um, predictive programming. They'll actually show you events again through drama of events that will come along and you will, when those events do come along, you will act like the actors. You use the same solutions that the actors had in the play or in the movie or whatever. And that's how you'll get, you'll deal with it too. You're all being trained like animals. I remember Coronation Street, the longest running predictive programming, and one of the best ones ever came out of Tavistock in England. Uh, it still gets broadcast abroad. Uh, today, uh, I think it started in the 60s, still going. And they showed you all the staff they bring in, the, the professional staff to do every one of their shows. Professional psychiatrists on board full time. Professional social workers, divorce counselors. All the problems that you, you eventually, I lived through, I saw it happening as a culture was destroyed. Uh, all the things that became common were introduced first by these plays and these weekly and nightly series of Coronation Street. And they had maybe 20, 30, 40 professionals all working in the social areas, working on board with them. Predictive programming. This is how you behave in the fictional event. This is how you'll behave in reality. And that's what happened. That's only one example, of course. And you can't take people away from it. It's too addictive. It's too addictive. We're living in a, an era of control freakism. And those in the, who are in control believe in the, the various philosophers that have gone down through the ages. Philosophy is an amaz- amazing thing because most philosophers in, the, let's say, the 18th century onwards uh, dealt with controlling masses of people. That was their prime concern, to control them. And they, they worked in the dialectic. So they give you a few famous ones that really do work the dialectic. But if you go into Fichte and others, you'll see that uh, he believed that mankind couldn't make his own mind up about anything, therefore he had to be ruled with an iron fist. Well, that's the same policy that the United Nations was set up to do. And they've they've had to sign all these treaties uh, to sign our sovereignties away over the years, since 1946. 
and the, they're working hard towards it now. Every treaty that you sign binds you legally to go along with them. That's your carbon taxes, that's all your redistribution of wealth. Remember, communists set up the Charter of the United Nations. The communists did. And they worked for international bankers. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix, talking about the control freaks and how they've created a society and also over the years taught people to simply obey, be happy and obey and people, technically most of them are pretty happy in their electronic worlds. They seldom have something uh, away from their ear, something's always stuck on their ear wherever they happen to be, yapping into the ether and this was predicted uh, way back in the late 50s, even early 60s uh, with people like Marshall McLuhan who talked about this coming era. And, of course, he was eventually grabbed up by this, the U.S. Um, universities because they had grants from, uh, from basically DARPA and the Pentagon to use his kind of information because they knew what kind of society they wanted to bring in. You always think of your, your intelligence services and your military there to somehow protect you always in times of war against you from other countries. No, their main purpose is to maintain the system. Maintain the system. First priority is maintenance of the system. They're more afraid of those who rule your country and own your country, more afraid of you than they are of countries abroad, believe you me. And so they have to find ways of controlling you. Now, most folk don't believe, don't know, for instance, that some countries, especially the British Commonwealth countries, um, everybody who collects taxes from employees works for the government. That's all private businesses. They've always deducted the taxes straight from um, the employer's paychecks before the paycheck is given to the employee. They never see it until the tax is gone. Well, it's getting even even worse. Now that everyone's dumbed down, stupid and happy, and and a lot lower on the IQ scale, uh, probably drugs, most of them in some way or another, maybe the spraying too, maybe the harp technology, because they are using both, of course. But they've also been uh, had their, their food modified, uh, by, again, people who work for the military-industrial complex suddenly go into making nice potatoes for you and stuff like that. And everyone is, is not just physically changing, they're mentally changing. They're getting bioengineered for control. Too placid, way too placid. And they're doing things now that they could never have tried in the 60s, 70s, and even the 80s because they can get away with it now. They can come out openly like that article last night that I read from the United Nations, uh, demanding basically full control over the entire planets, and, and they want all the taxation to come through them, and so on. But here's taxation again, going back to Britain and the British Commonwealth countries like Canada. And this is from the Telegraph. It says here, Her Majesty's revenue collection uh, also has more than 18 million open cases relating to wrongly paid tax, going back as far as 2008. However... Because they're always making mistakes. They're, they're never ever on. They just want to grab the money and get it in. Leave you enough. Leave the slave enough to feed himself and play himself, and, and they're quite happy. Instead of employers deducting income tax, then paying gross salaries to the employees, the gross monthly payment would go directly to an, Her Majesty's uh, Revenue Collection Run Tax collect, uh, Calculator, 
which would then pass the net salary to the worker. So if you think feudalism is over, folks, I don't know. It was never over. Feudalism has never gone. Remember what Carol Quigley said, the new system is a form of feudalism. Remember what Charles Galton Darwin said, the grandson and the physicist who worked on the Manhattan Project, Charles Galton Darwin, in his book, The Next Million Years, he says, we're now in the process of creating a new, more sophisticated form of slavery. These guys mean what they say. They've done it. So here you are, open feudalism, and uh, so Her Majesty's Revenue Collection Agency will then basically get the cash directly from the paycheck of the employee. Says the reform would mean the end of traditionally month, monthly pay slips because employers would no longer be able to tell workers how much tax they'd paid each month. The tax authorities are consulting accountants, lawyers and businessmen on the plans to reform the pay-as-you-earn call, that's what they call it, pay-as-you-earn system. The potential shake-up has emerged after Her, Ma- Her Majesty. This is the 21st century. We're calling someone Her Majesty. Can you believe this? Hmm? Her Majesty's Revenue Collection confirmed that inaccurate data means millions of people will be made to pay back underpaid tax and millions more will get rebates. So they're bringing in new tax codes and so on, a new system. So where private business used to work all for government, and a top federal bureaucrat told me that in Canada, everyone works for government including the guy that hires you. He works for government too because he has to be the tax collector for the government. Well, now they're changing it, you see. Now, if they're changing it in Britain, they'll be changing it in the British Commonwealth countries too to make sure Her Majesty gets the cash first, you see. Wonderful, sis. 21st century. 21st century. And we're still paying tribute to the sun kings and sun queens. Isn't that something? Mind you, most folk don't really care, you know. As long as they're left, left enough tidbits to play themselves and have fun and get lost in their either world, they're quite happy. And then you go into Canada. Canada really is stepping up the control freak stuff. I read about two weeks ago on the air the article where everyone now in, in I think it was Nova Scotia, has to show ID if they want to buy a bottle of booze. You see, Canada and Her Majesty and all the rest of them also run the liquor stores you see, uh, in Canada to make sure they get the taxes from that. But now that they show their ID, regardless if you walk in uh, with wrinkles down to your knees and you're using a Zimmer or a couple of walking canes, you're still going to show your ID. That's incredible. But you know something? They'll comply because no one's got the guts anymore. No one's got the guts to stand up, get something moving in the community and say, boycott this place. Don't buy anything here again. Back with more after these messages. listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix, just beefing up a bit 
about all this control freak stuff that we're hearing. You know, the day is going to come, too, as you get trained towards the Internet and being taxed directly off the Internet and so on. And all your banking will go through it, too. And, and that will be deducted as well immediately, etc. Each purchase you make and so on. That's what it's all about, folks. Total control through that dumb machine that they gave you for, to control you. That's what it's all about, controlling you. With all its nudges, as they call it, Sunstein, etc., as they nudge you to go from page to page and waste your, your life away. Not that you remember much of what you read, anyway, on the Internet. But there's a caller there uh, from Ontario, uh, Faith. Are you there, Faith? Thanks for taking my call. How are you? Not so bad. Good. I just, um, you know, I just want to say thank you so much for sacrificing, for taking the time to educate us. And it is scary, but I believe that, uh, like you said, if you're still, any part of us is still human, we will listen and we will take what you say to heart. Um, but the questions I had, um, this HSD, as you call it, value-added tax, I just wanted to know how it's meant to affect the small business owner, like the independent business owner. And uh, also, it seems like last year, 2008, 2009, there was a whole financial scare. But then it seems this year that everything kind of, you know, we came right through it, everything seems fine, and everybody's forgotten. What's mm-hmm. going on? Well, they wondered the, the guise of the GST. The GST was actually a value-added tax put in by Brian Mulroney, who tried to pass it as, calling it the value-added tax. The value-added tax came from the United Nations. Britain has been paying it for about 20-odd years now, and other other countries. And the idea how they float it to the public is, oh, it won't be much to start with, and it won't it'll only be on things which you don't really need, like binoculars and things like that, cameras, which is a big lie, because with, within a, a year or two, you're up to 15%. And, and I think Britain's up to 21% value-added tax on every item now. And that's just one tax. So they brought it into Canada, and before a lot of things were exempt, for instance, uh, books, um, even the printing of books and different things were exempted from from the federal taxes. Uh, Now that's gone. Uh, They're also taxing you under... Once they harmonize the provincial tax and the federal tax, um, there's no more exemption of one or the other now. It's it's, it's basically the GST is on everything. So um, it's up to a lot of different things that you haven't noticed yet. But you will notice them as they go along. So how does that affect, uh, let's say, um, a small business owner, Mm -hmm. somebody who, let's say, a carpenter, contractor, Mm -hmm. somebody like Uh, that? Well, actually, it'll go incredible like Britain went, um, because it's a value-added tax. Um, For instance, if you were building a, a kitchen cabinet set, out of cheap materials, you might just get away with a low value-added tax. If you if you were doing it out of mahogany, uh, you're definitely going to pay a much higher tax because it's now it's, it's something which is not necessary. It's it's now um, um, it's exclusive in a sense. It's beyond just the, the necessity value. It's a it's a value on something which someone doesn't really need. So you have to pay, you have to charge that to the customer. Oh my gosh! So it's becoming the uh, coming into the austerity. Yes. Beliefs. That's correct. So anything which isn't essential will be taxed as a luxury. And mind you, they start off with a few things you don't mind. You say, well, I, want, I don't buy many binoculars. I don't buy. But within a year, as I say in Britain, they started to tack it on everything until everything is under even your, even your pound of sugar. My <laughs> God. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, and also with the, remember 2008, 2009, the whole, you know, too big to fail, all that kind of stuff? 
mm-hmm. and just the economic, it seemed like a bust. But yes. now all of a sudden, everything seems long gone forgotten, well, especially in Canada anyhow. They think so. They think so. But believe you me, they're going to get hammered with taxes. If you look at the price of food, for instance, food has pretty well doubled in the last two or three years. It's doubled. It has. In the grocery store. It's the things you, you take for granted, but, but literally, um, they have literally doubled, and all the taxes have yet to hit us. While we're still fighting um, over in Afghanistan, uh, they'll, they'll keep us fairly happy. Once we're finished there, uh, then there's no reason to keep us happy, and they'll, they'll hammer us for all the taxes, because we're borrowing money every day to keep that war going. Wow. From foreign bankers, from, from private banks. Wow. So that's so, all they're... All of that has to get paid back. The U.S. is in the same condition. They get hammered in uh, January the 1st this year when a lot of new taxes come into play and a lot of things must get repaid. They're going to get hammered in taxes. My gosh. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I I truly, I'm very grateful. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Take care. Bye now. Yeah, there's so many taxes and hidden taxes and then they, they had this one on top. You don't realize... That something that costs five cents to make ends up being, you know, ten bucks down the road or twenty. It's, it's astonishing. If they can make a pair of jeans in China for two dollars, including the material and the worker and the cost and the whole, and shipping it here, and sell it for thirty, forty, fifty bucks, it's like that with most things. You have no idea. Now here again in Canada, you see, we're into the Pavlovian Skinner mode. The Skinnerian behaviorism, where you retrain the people like animals. And uh, they're blatant about it now. You're just another animal. You see, religion's out the window, so don't even bother talking about that. That's, just, that's their attitude today. Well, we all evolved from, from primitive animals, and we treat you like animals. And unfortunately, a lot of what they do will actually, unfortunately, work for a lot of people. Again, prompts, you see. They give you prompts. That's what they call it. That's what Sunstein called it. Vancouver. Officials in West Vancouver, Canada, aren't satisfied with the driver's slowing properties of traditional speed bumps. Yesterday, the town unveiled a new way to entice motorists to ease off the gas pedal in the vicinity of the Ecole Pauline Johnson Elementary School. What did they do? You got a 2D image of a child playing on the street, right? Creating the illusion that the approaching driver will soon blast into a child. According to Discover, I guess that's a magazine or something. The, paper, the pavement painting appears to rise up as the driver gets closer to it, reaching a full 3D realism at around 100 feet. Pavement Patty is the girl in the painting. Well, it's going called Pavement Splatty. She was splattered, you know. As the girl in the painting is known, it's intended to give drivers who travel at the streets recommended 18 miles per hour enough time to stop before running over the fake child. This is this, yeah, this is This is training animals. It's how you train animals, folks. You know? But again, you know, the, 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 there's not enough people today with enough consciousness left or care left. People who put all their, their info up in Facebook, for goodness sake, aren't going to get up about anything. They don't even care about privacy. These people are lost, so they're not going to go and complain about anything. And they won't be indignant about getting treated like an animal. That's all. But anyway, I'll put these links up at cuttingthroughmatrix.com at the end of the show, and you can read them for yourself. There's also another article here from Fox News. These are all the same things tonight, really. 
about training folk like animals. Cities increasingly turned to the trash police, the garbage police, to enforce recycling laws. And it says, um, it's Fox News, a commercial for Audi. I don't know if you've seen that commercial. It was, it was, it was disgusting. This, this, how they mocked consumers for failing to recycle. It was like SWAT teams of greenies going in, and the ad. Big bucks went into that ad. It's just up on YouTube somewhere. It says, and endorses a company's diesel-powered car at the same time, of course. But the green police may be more real than they know. Beware the green police. They don't carry guns. There's no policy academy to train them. But if you don't recycle your trash property properly, they'll walk up your driveway and give you a $100 ticket. You know something, in the 80s, I, I know I know what would have happened to some of these people, these little control freaks. I'm not kidding you. I'm, people would have been terrified to take the job. But we're all placid now, tranquilized, dumbed down, stupid, happy. Lots of folk are happy in socialism. It says here, they know what's in your trash, they know what you eat, they know how often you bring your cycles to the curb. And they may be coming to your town soon. That is, if they're not already there. In a growing number of cities across the U.S., local governments are placing computer chips in recycling bins to collect data on refuse disposal and then fining residents who don't participate in recycling efforts and forcing others into educational programs. Can you believe they're getting forced into an educational reconditioning program, Soviet style? That's what they did in the Soviet Union meant to instill respect for the environment. This is Sovietized Pavlov's training and Skinnerian training. Can you believe that? And here, here, here they're training the residents, you see, to sort out their garbage so it can be recycled for private corporations to make stuff out of nothing they get for free. Your tax money gets delivered to these factories so they can recycle all the plastics and stuff. They get it for free. What a great con. They're training the slaves to recycle all this stuff for free. They don't even see it that way. They've never even thought about it. It says from Charlotte, North Carolina to Cleveland, Ohio, from Bozy, Idaho to Flint, Michigan, the green police are spreading out. And that alarms some privacy advocates who are asking, should local governments have the right to monitor how you divide your paper cups from your plastic forks? Is that really the role of government? Well, of course it's not. Who would have to ask such a dumb question? Government will take any role on at once if you let them. In Dayton, Ohio, chips placed in recycle bins transmit information to garbage trucks to keep track of whether residents are recycling a program that incensed Arizona Senator John McCain. I don't know if it incensed him much who pointed out the city was awarded half a million dollars in stimulus money for it. Stimulus money. Then Harry Lewis, a computer science professor at Harvard University and noted privacy expert, cried foul about the spy chips, which are already in use in several cities and are often funded by government stimulus programs. He noted that cattle farmers use the same chips to tell if Betsy the cow has generated her milk quota for the day. This is not living like a human being anymore. This is, this is utter slavery. Slavery and, and being monitored 24 hours a day. That's not freedom. But once again, people who put all their data up on these free sites that they get won't care about that. They do what they're told. They, they have no respect for their own privacy 
If they have no respect for their own privacy, they don't deserve it. It's the same with freedom. Cessia is treating people like cattle, Lewis cried, and people are supposed to produce recyclable waste rather than certain quantities of milk. What, he asked, happens if you don't generate enough? Well, in Britain, if you don't generate enough, they fine you because they say you've been getting disposed of in some other way. That will happen there too. Do you understand you're global? They're copying each other. It's a global agenda. Where does it come from? Try the United Nations. Try the United Nations. Talking about the United Nations, here's another control freak. It's all control freaks at the UN because they are not democratic. They're communist. They're utterly, utterly communist. Even though the, the, the big bankers are the guys that set them up. See, the bankers love communist systems and socialism because it's far easier to get governments to, to tax everything from the peasant and, and get it through the government. The government has to send out the heavies and deal with those who can't pay or seize the property and sell it and so on. The big bankers just get the cash flowing to them. It's far better than the banks having to give you individual loans and so on. That's why they backed communism for the ordered society. Hike water prices to stop waste from, and here's right out of what I say, Bertrand Russell's book, when he says we should condition the public to listen to not nobody but experts. And it says here, hike water prices to stop waste by expert. Uh, expert. <laughs> Former United Nations official calls for incentive to use water sensibly. Here are the creeps that go jet all over the world. They just went to that thing the other day there I mentioned in the Alpine region, way up nice and high, beautiful chalet, of course, with all their valleys and all their booze and 10-course meals and stuff like that to decide how to run the world. So here's this control freak who probably can't even dress himself. He'll have his own butler to do it, telling us that we're going to get taxed and going to pay more for using our water. To train us, you see, train us to use it sensibly. Former UN climate chief who has advocated putting a price on carbon emissions says water also should also carry an appropriate cost. What is the UN? It's a private corporation. We don't vote for any of it, but it runs everything. It says water should be priced higher to avoid waste, a climate expert told a water seminar. You know, one of their experts at the IPCC, one of them was a guy who worked in the garbage dump, and that was an expert. I'm not kidding. And I read that on the ear at the time, from their own records, about a year ago. Anyway, it says water should be priced higher to avoid waste, the expert told a water seminar. A water seminar. In a world where supplies of fresh water are shrinking, they should have been here for the last couple of years. You know, last year and year before, it wasn't a day without massive downpours. The place was flooded. Same with Ireland. Ireland's going to pay massive taxes now for their water, and it's one of the wettest countries in the world. But what's got sense got to do with it, with control freaks? Anyway, it says countries, companies and individuals should be aware of the value of water. Vaux de Boer, is well named this guy, eh? Vaux de Boer. What a pig of a man. Told a water seminar in Brussels, Belgium on Thursday. It takes 75 litres of water to make a glass of beer, 2,700 litres to manufacture a t-shirt and 16,000 litres to produce a kilogram of beef. Utter control freaks and statistics, eh? Right back to running the world by numbers. You can't treat people this way. We are not machines yet. We're not machines.
but they want us to be. It says at the same time, UN figures show about 2.5 billion people, nearly half the Earth's population, have no access to sanitation, DeBoer said. Part of the reason we are seeing so much wastage of water in a number of countries is because the water is inadequately priced. He says few countries have economic incentives to use water sensibly. So he wants them to put massive fees and taxes on all your water. These same guys that said there'd be no poor ice caps by, by next year, stuff like that, all the lies they can think of, sinking islands and all that rubbish. All that rubbish, and then rising seas and all that rubbish. It hasn't been happening, folks. I've read the articles here to prove it from guys who were across the world testing the levels of the water year after year. Not doing it through computers, but testing it. These guys are born liars because they have an agenda to bring in of total obedient control. And they won't be happy with this. They won't be happy till they've got you chipped in the brain like a Borg, like Star Trek's Borg. And then they can program you to to behave the way they want you to behave. You know, the proper way. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix. And there's Bob in California. Are you there, Bob? Hey, Alan. How's it going? Not too bad. Hey, uh, calling from uh, a slowly crumbling California out here. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a question for you. Um, so I've been reading uh, Tragedy and Hope, and I've been reading the uh, Western uh, history of Western philosophy, working my way through these books. And, uh, you know, just trying to piece stuff together. And I don't know if you can answer this question. You don't have to if you don't want to. But I read a book the other day that floored me. And uh, there's very few people, as you know, that you can communicate once you get to this level of information and understanding. And uh, so uh, it's pretty much me and one other guy. So I thought I'd ask you what you thought of this book. And uh, it's called uh, The Protocols. Are you familiar with the book I'm talking about? Yeah. I was wondering what what your impression of that was because it pretty much ties up everything you know that that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt that whoever whoever wrote it, there's no doubt whatsoever, they knew the agenda for a whole hundred years or more. Right, right. Uh, and they talked about things which hadn't happened at that time. They even talked about how they would make sports a, a prime occupation for men. Uh, for for uh, for basically watching, basically not participating, but watching all of these kind of things, um, which really would have sounded crazy back in the early 1900s, when no city and across Europe had a sports arena, uh, for instance. Um, so they did talk about arenas getting put across the world, how music would be used incredibly to to alter people's how they would create massive sexual promiscuity. Uh, all of that was in there. There's no doubt about it. But you've got to understand, too, that those artic- those things that were put into that book were discussed commonly in the universities of that time, especially in Germany and uh, in academia and philosophy. They were already talking about how to control the mass man and um, 
and how to destroy... Remember, it all came from Marxism too, because Marxism had all the ten planks down there, and there's actually more than ten, but they've accomplished every one of them, right down to the present where they're redistributing your wealth. They've already destroyed the family unit. They've already created the government agencies that would take over from the family unit and social work departments and experts. But you're right, whoever wrote that darn thing... um, uh, knew the whole agenda, absolutely. Yeah. In, uh, so later on, I guess the Frankfurt School had a similar thing with, with Marxism. And, uh, the Frankfurt School, goals. definitely. That came out of uh, Frankfurt. It carried on. It also joined with the Macy Group. Uh, the, the British aristocracy got involved with them, like um, Bertrand Russell was a member of them, of the Macy Group. They also worked, um, some of their members including Arthur Kessler, worked for MI5, by the way, during World War II. Uh, that's been declassified now, along with Bertrand Russell. They actually worked together. Uh, but they worked with the Macy Group. They were sent over to the U.S. to create the culture for America, working eventually with the CIA in post-war conditions to create the culture for America. And they've declassified all of that in a very good book um, called America's a Cultural Cold War, Declassified stuff. It's a great book to read. Uh, all the all the characters involved are there. How they literally. Um, it wasn't the Russians who went overboard with the uh, degrading stuff for people and sexuality. Not it was the U.S. being led by the Macy Group, who was put in charge of it by the president of the U.S. By the way. Uh, thank you very much, Alan. Appreciate your opinion. Thanks for calling. Yeah. And um, for Jane in Ontario, call back again, please. Maybe on Monday. Sorry, I can't get you in. From Hamish and myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your God's goal with you.